Hey guys, hope everybody's doing good. And yeah, a bit of a random turn of events today. I, I decided, well, kind of random, kind of not. Like I wasn't totally sure if I was, um, I had to come to England and drive my old car back. So I, I've had a Mini Cooper in England for a while, um, which probably makes me like a little bit spoiled that, you know, I'm sitting on a, um, lovely car at home in the Mercedes and, and then obviously I have a this is the first car I ever bought so I, I think I paid like 3,000 pounds for a Mini Cooper and um, kind of justified it at the time that you know my mom can drive it um, but I'm just trying to make sure I'm rightly in here yeah um, yeah I kind of thought like oh yeah sure like my mom can drive it and um that's all good. Oh, this is why it's confusing. Oh, shit. I was supposed to go M54. Oh, bollocks. Oof, that was close. It bloody didn't say M54. That's so good that you guys are all on there listening. Holy shit. I have no time to be going the wrong way. Let me tell you. Holy fuck. So I... <laughs> oh, I'm in shock. So basically, I, I did my session this morning in Victoria Park, and like it went really well. And I just like hit the splits, and, and that was a really cool feeling. Um, but I did get tired. Like I, I've been trying to run like more volume, and it, it really starts to like take it out of you, running like 17 miles a day and stuff. So like there was tiredness in my legs towards the end of the session. But I basically finished the session, and when I got back to the house, I got a reminder about the fact that um, I, I booked this Steneline um, boat to bring the car. And, like, it's not just the car. Like, I had a big yellow storage in England. Um, there's quite a lot of stuff in that, like altitude tent, altitude generator, my, you know, my bike, like my Trek road bike, um, heaps of clothes. I, I think as I was packing the car, I found two hyper-ice guns. That's pretty spoiled that I had two hyper-ice guns that were sitting in a storage that I didn't even know existed. Um, but yeah, so I <laughs> I finished the session at like 10.30. I get back. I see this email. I'm like, fuck. So I look up flights and there was a Aer Lingus from Belfast City, which is like seven minutes drive from the Titanic Arts. Um, and I get on this flight. I get to the airport at like 12 noon. Um, sorry, 12.07 to be precise. I get through security. It's like quarter past 12. I'm like, this is awesome. I have a, I order a pint of Guinness because when in Rome, I love a pint of Guinness in the city airport. And it was actually like nearly 12.30 by the time I had the Guinness. So it wasn't too bad. And I had ran 17 miles, but at 17 and a half but I've also just had a KFC at a service station. And so I think it's almost, it might go down as like a fattening day, which is absolutely crazy when you run 17 miles, but life's just unfair. Calories in life is just unfair. It doesn't, it doesn't work the way it should. We should be allowed way more. But um, yeah, so it was all quite rushed. I got to London Heathrow at like 2.30. I got an Uber to Teddington. I got there at three o'clock. I had, I had like 30 minutes to do everything. I needed to be in Teddington at three. I drove for 30 minutes to the big yellow storage, half three. I had 30 minutes to unload the big yellow storage. And I mean, 
my car is packed, like packed. Um, and so I, luckily they have trolleys and stuff there and it actually all worked out really smooth. Like the, the worst thing about today was always going to be staying hydrated because like travel um, on the plane, it's really hot in London at the minute and I'm sweating just like sitting here in the car, but I'm, I'm sitting with a smart water and I have like electrolyte tablets that were, you guessed it, in my big yellow storage. <laughs> Everything is in that big yellow storage. Hang on. So I got there at 3.30. I had to leave the big yellow storage at 4 o'clock, precisely. And that gave me four and a half hours to drive to Liverpool. And then I would technically get to Liverpool at half eight, like Birkenhead, and um, get the boom from Birkenhead to Belfast. But, of course, I had to stop for 20, 30 minutes to get fuel, buy an in-car charger, and um, have some food. And so it's now predicting my journey time at 9.08 and it closes at 9.30. So when I'm saying I cannot afford to go the wrong fucking way, I cannot afford to go the wrong way, I do not have time. And Katie is convinced that I'm not going to make it. Like she, she, today would be like her worst nightmare. Like so many like stresses where like, Everything has to be perfect. Everything just has to work. There can't be like traffic. There can't be road work. There can't be an accident. And I just love it. This is me and my absolute element. I mean, like, some people could not think of anything worse than deciding at like 11.30 a.m. to go and do this. This is like, this is like my ecstasy. I swear to God, getting on that flight thinking, there's just no time. At no point today was there any time. Like, the Uber driver parked and had to go to, like, the parking meter. And I'm thinking, Jesus, fuck, man. Like, come on. Like, you're eating into my minutes here. <laughs> and every minute today counted. <laughs> so I was just, yeah, I, was, I find it really quite funny that I was getting, like, so worked up. And I just knew that every single... I literally got out of the Uber, walked across the street, put the key in my mini, and then drove off to the big yellow storage. There was just no time to do anything. Um... But I love this. This is my, like I said, this is like my ecstasy, just on a mission. I love a mission. I'm really good at things like this, which is why, like, I can decide at, like, 5 o'clock in the morning that I'm going to get a um, bus to Dublin Airport at 6.30, and then I'm going to be on a flight at 8.30 to America and just do it and go, go get on with it. And it's like, it takes a different level of something to do that. Probably no, um, when I say different level of something, most people probably think absolutely zero, um, not accountability, but absolutely zero responsibility. <laughs> most people can't just get up and go and abandon ship and leave home and leave dog or leave um, friends or leave family or leave kids or leave husband. I mean, I just often go. So. Uh, look, here I am. Um, time to drink the water. Oh, it's at 9.07 now. It's be early. I'm 23 minutes then. They close at 9.30. They'll probably phone me at 9. They ask where I'm at. I've done that before, and I've actually been sitting in Belfast, and I've had to explain that, yeah, sorry, I'm not getting on the boat tonight. I'm actually in Belfast. And that's why this needed to get done. And I also, like, I've got back to doing YouTube videos, and you will see in a... I'm going to do one a week, I hope, in the build-up to Boston, and I'll cover each day, not like loads each day, but little snippets each day 
and then at the end of the week I'll do a bit of a bit of a review and a bit of a you know how the week went and maybe what I could work on for next week. Um, but you're going to see I'm going to set up um, the altitude tent, which is why it was you know a good idea to come and like Katie could have sent the altitude tent at the end of the week, but um, I actually I don't have time to wait until the end of the week or next week because I'm kind of running out of days where I would get enough time in the tent for it to be useful. And so I'll obviously get back to Belfast tomorrow morning. And basically once I get this next hour and 40 minutes out of the way, the drive, like the job's done, because then you're just on a boat and you sleep. And then when you wake up in the morning, you're in Belfast. So um, I'll set up the tent and stuff tomorrow. And that's Wednesday. And that actually gives me just over four weeks until I fly to Boston. So it'll be like 20, 29 days or something, which is about right. But I'm, I'm also going to, which again, I'll show on YouTube, I'm going to set up two tents. So I'm going to have one in the bedroom, like which is just over the bed. And, and then I'm going to have a tent in the spare bedroom, but I'm going to make it like a kind of spare bedroom stroke living area with a tent. And then it means during the day I can get a bit longer. So I'm basically just going to make Belfast a fucking class place to train, like everything. Like, I mean, obviously Belfast doesn't have altitude, but if I have the tent in the bedroom, so I'm sleeping at altitude, and then during the day I can spend, it'll, it'll make me spend more time sitting on my ass during the day. What I'm going to do is put my beanbag, my bike, beanbag, bike with turbo, um, I'll get a TV and I'll, I'll put a wee TV stand and um, I'll sort of have this little setup in the spare room where, you know, I can, and I'll, I, I actually, there's a bed in the spare room, so I might just keep that in there. No, I suppose if I want to nap, I can just jump back in. Um, so I'll, I'll maybe try to get the bed a little bit out of the way so that it, it, it just acts as like a little man cave, but it, it can be at altitude and um, it'll be a quite a costly month of electric because of all the altitude. I have two altitude generators, which is ridiculous, but um, look, there's no rules. Well, there is in Norway, because in Norway you're actually not allowed to have an altitude tent generator, but when you stand on the start line of Boston, there's no rules. Um, how you choose to prepare is completely up to you, and, and so if I prepare well and, and, you know, have a story to tell and talk about sleeping in the tent and and talk about creating my living environment to be the same altitude as Ethiopia or, you know, whatever. I can set it to 8,000 feet and spend most of the day, except for when I'm out training and stuff, um, at altitude. It's a, you know, it, you're essentially trying to do everything you possibly can to be successful. Um, and, and like I say, there's no, there's no rules here, guys. No one's telling you not to. Anybody listening? You can do this. Some people will just choose not to. And, and it's perfectly understandable. Why not? Who the fuck wants to sleep in an altitude tent? You sweat so much. And then who wants to set their living room up as a, a bigger altitude tent? <laughs> I might actually put the coffee machine in there just so that I actually have an extra coffee machine, which is ridiculous now in the boot of the car. So maybe I'll have a coffee machine for um, the altitude tent in case I fancy a, a coffee when I'm in there. And then I'll have a coffee for the kitchen. Um, that is ridiculous. I'm not doing that. That's kind of like a joke. Um, 
But that's not today's podcast. Look, the the training for Boston is tough. Um, you know, it's ten mile in the morning, seven mile at night. This morning was seventeen mile, and that included like one point seven mile warm up, one point seven mile warm down. That's just how far it is to where I wanted to start the session. And then I did laps at Victoria Park, and I had to do two mile. Basically, I, I thought the session was going to be easier than what it was. It, it's kind of it kind of wore on me, and it got pretty tough. And so, I guess when you look at the previous four days or so, it's like Saturday ten mile, five mile, Sunday twenty one mile, Monday ten mile, seven mile, and then you know obviously this morning seventeen. It's it's what's that fifteen. 36, 43, 53, 60, 70, 70 mile, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, 70 mile in four days, you know, it's, that's, that's, that's big, that's big going, so there's that, but I was, it was just, it just got a wee bit tougher than um, perhaps I thought it would, it was two mile at 5.05, 90 seconds recovery, but I run the recovery at like a not a float by any means, but like maybe six minute pace, a good minute slower, but not like jogging. I was, I, there was a no, at no point today was I jogging because I don't believe the marathon you can have that luxury. And um, so it's kind of like 90 seconds, but probably at like 550 pace. Um, and then I did, um, three times a mile with 75 seconds. Again, probably at like six minute mile in, but the three by mile was between 450 and 4.52, but I could just tell they weren't as easy as I thought they were going to be, and then I suppose why should they be, because that's like, that's the pace I could handle at Larn, and I actually remember not that long ago when my training would be um, six by a mile of half marathon effort, so that's why they weren't that easy, um, and then I did four 400s at 4.30 pace or 45 seconds. Again, 45 seconds was at about six minute pace. Hold on. <coughs> so at this point, I looked down at my watch. I had done seven and a half mile, and I think I was at 5.05 average. But then I had to run a six minute mile for a full mile, and I knew that was going to fuck my average up, which I was kind of pissed off about. But there was a lesson here because for Strava, I could have just ran that mile quicker, or what I could have done was, um, oh, is it the person's overtaking me? I'm not allowed to get road rage today because I decided that's how I would get through this journey a bit better. But there's eight cars in front of me, and there's just no point overtaking. But I had that, yeah, there was a lesson there because I either was doing what I was told, which is what the coach said. Or I was being stupid and trying to make like Strava look good, which who cares? So um, didn't be stupid. Um, got it done. Did the mile at six minute pace. Then I did another two mile at five oh five, and then three by a mile, four fifty five, four fifty two, four forty eight. So look, and, and like I say, all the recoveries were like pretty much at six minute pace, and they weren't that much, like ninety seconds, seventy five seconds, forty five seconds. So it was a good day, and then I decided to come to England, which it was never really going to be like a good time to do it, and I could have put it off, and it could have been like, look, you know, it's, is it going to help Boston? And, and actually, I do believe the altitude tent will help Boston, but 
at the same time, I could have been like, keep life simple and, and don't do it. But it's just been hanging over me. Like, this just, it's just needed done. I needed to just get this done. And there was never going to be, there was never going to be, when you're trying to run 17 mile a day, there's never the perfect opportunity to do it. But what we got today was a pretty big session done this morning. I don't get to do, I was supposed to do five mile tonight. And I won't obviously be able to do that because, like, I'm literally going to get the um, the boat at 9.07 and, like, the, the, the check-in closes at 9.30 and the fucking boat needs you. Um, so there's no time. But um, but that's okay. And I've done 70 miles in four days, which is a lot. Um, and, and it's way more. I mean, I was running 70 miles for a full week not that long ago. And, like, that was brilliant because if you've done 10 mile in the morning, you can nearly call it a day. Whereas at the minute, you know, 10 mile in the morning and I'm still going to go do another 50 minutes that night. It's fucking torture. It's actually, it's really hurting me. Like, I, I realized that I was doing the morning training. I always did morning training. Always, always, always. Because I realized now that that was for my mental health. That was to make me feel good about life. That was to make my day feel like a good day, be content, all these things, like, you know, happy and, and calm and, and all this good stuff. But I realized that in the evening, I didn't need to go for an, I'm actually either going to either kill me or you'll either laugh your head off or you'll think I'm a weird, weird person. But I'm going to go on to say, I told Lee this last night, but I'm going to go on to say that the evening training was like work, right? It's all about the race. It's all extra training. And it's like, it's not even extra credit. It's, I, I should just be getting it done. But because, because I've already had my, like, call it my, like, mental health fix in the morning. And, and because I'm calm and, and, you know, because I'm, I'm feeling good. And um, there's no real urgency to rush out the door and go again. That's why I've now decided that's, like, the work part. Because that's the part where you don't love it, but you have to get it done. And if you're a male listening, or a female, you can just have a little laugh about this, but I told Lee it's a bit like when you're really, really horny, and like you want to have sex, and then you have sex, and then you're just not that arsed to like, maybe have sex a couple more times. <laughs> and that's kind of like what it's like when you go get the rub done that morning, it's done, and you feel really good about yourself, and the day goes on, and you could go again, and of course you can, and, and you might actually really enjoy it. And that's a bit like what it feels like being a bloke. Sometimes, well, actually pretty much all the time, which is really harsh for females listening, but we're kind of shitheads, blokes. Um, but that's like, I think I think that's like, not that I'm going to get into a conversation about sex on the podcast, because it is a rotten podcast, but I feel like the male, I think there's a book called Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, or vice versa. And the male drive is set up around reproduction. And so, um, now some people have a very, very, very high sex drive, in which case they can, you know, just want to have sex all day long, which would be amazing. But when you're running 17 miles a day, it's probably not that high. But basically, a man will want to have sex until he has sex, and that's the, the action of reproduction. And then they're just not that arsed again after that. The sex drive kind of dwindles quite a bit, where I can't speak for how females feel, but I feel like females actually can have a higher sex drive than males and obviously longer want to have sex multiple times, etc. Et so it's, it's funny that 
um, we kind of have that difference in some people do. But how on earth did I get there from me, me not wanting to go through a double run? I don't know. I, but I thought it'd be funny to tell you guys on the podcast that I thought someone might get a kick out of that. Um, maybe not. You'll just think I'm an absolute weirdo. Um, I can feel my Achilles starting to bother me. Like having to just constantly put your clutch in and back out again to, when you're in back-to-back traffic. It's just so annoying. But Okay, this podcast is actually about um, the Olympics and my race and how, um, I guess just how I, like Lee was right last night and me and Lee were chatting and um, I guess, I guess we can, we can say it's just another race. You're supposed to be able to get over defeat. It says something about yourself, how you, how you deal with defeat. So, Basically, the, the suggestion there would be if you deal with defeat really well um, and, and, you know, you accept that you say something like, it was just another race, I'm going to let it go, um, things like this, there's like, there's supposed to be like a strength to that. And the sooner you can get over like something upset, and I guess, the better. That That's... That's the suggestion, right? That doesn't mean that's what I think. That's just the suggestion. I was listening to a podcast on Roger Federer, and they were saying it's something that Roger obviously got very good at. Supposedly, he had, when when he's had match point on 20 occasions, he's lost. And that's far greater than um, Nadal and Djokovic, apparently they're like less than, they're single digits basically. And so Federer, who's an absolute champion, had to learn to lose. Now, after Lee asked me last night, he said he had friends around, they were all watching and, and they didn't even know that they dropped up. So of course, they're, they're waiting to see at the finish line and, and you don't make it to the finish line. And so his friends, some of whom, would understand sport and athletics, some wouldn't, and they're sort of asking the question, like, will Scully be okay? Will, will he be okay with that? And Lee said, I hope, I hope he sees it as just another race, it wasn't his day, and you know, life can go on. And in one respect, first of all, I will never ever see it as just another race. I can't, and that'll, that'll haunt me between now and, which is so, I'm, oh my God, I'd probably cry. No, I actually would cry, so I, I, I can't talk about it too much. That'll hurt me, proper hurt me, to the point of tears if I talk about it until Paris, because it'll become a, I, this could be like autism or something, but it'll become a need for me to, close that chapter and not not to prove to anybody how competitive I can be in the Olympics but to prove that I can be disciplined I read uh, I, I was going on the plane today I was on my MacBook and um, I was going through my notes I always put things in my notes in my MacBook and one of the things in my notes said um, World Champs 2017 heat um Expect similar in Tokyo. And it actually says, don't worry, 
if the other Irish guys are ahead of you. Don't get competitive until mile 18. And if you have to run at the back of the field, you have to run at the back of the field. 2.16 will be a brilliant day. Now, why I, I run 2.10 pace for the first three miles, I'll never know. And that's the part that will eat me alive. Because that's me going back to Stephen Scullion of old that raced very much on ego and emotion. Now, there's a lot of things were wrong for the Olympics. One being the fitness wasn't probably what it needed to be. One being my heart rate monitor not working. So the heart rate display in his 150 only feeded the fact that I thought I was really fit and thought I could easily keep up the leaders, even though mentally I was thinking, this is really hard. But then I kind of was like, nah, nah, the heart rate's good. Don't worry. Like, you're probably just feeling shit and get better. Um, so there, there was lots going on, but... But discipline is huge for me, and race execution is huge for me. Discipline and training, and then discipline and races. Dublin, Dublin Marathon for me was the best and most disciplined execution of any race. Like for me personally, because I knew Mick would be ahead of me. I knew I had to just let him go. I knew because I'd done Doha, I needed to be really patient in those first 18 to 20 mile and. And then the deal was that if you can get to 18 or 20 in a good place, well, do what you want. Race as hard as you want. You know, go for it. And then look, obviously, how that worked out. And I actually wrote on, you know, both, up, up, up both arms, I wrote, you know, no ego. And um, I think I wrote animal and patience, maybe. And then I think I put ego Ego, animal, patience. And it was little reminders. Um, and, and in Tokyo, there was none of that. There was no discipline. There was no patience. Ego ego is basically, you've ran 209 at London. The weather was pretty shit at London. So actually, you feel like you're a 207 guy before you're a 207 or a 208 guy. And so you you believe that you should be in the lead pack because that's where a 207 guy should be, even though... A disciplined, logical race plan that you did a week before the race said 2.16. And don't worry if the other Irish guys go off faster than you. So, like, what the fuck was I doing on race day? Hold on. But Lee asked me, you know, his mates had asked him, what's going to be okay with that? And Lee said, I hope he sees it as just another race. I, I don't ever want to see it as just another race. And every single race that I do hurts me personally. And, and I use that hurt and that frustration to basically, I'm a fixer. I fix what I think was wrong and then I, I improve. And normally, as you've seen, I improve by, by quite a big margin because I'm, and the next part would be because I'm greedy. And so I don't want to just fix things a little bit and then run a little bit better. I want to fix it and fucking, it's, it's more show myself that I can, you have this dream of how good you can be. And that dream is actually, in another life, a reality. But in that life, you do everything that it takes all the time, every day, every decision, every meal you eat, all your lifestyle. You do it all in a way that shapes that reality. And so if that dream is you running 205, 
and you know keeping up with the Kenyans at London and the Ethiopians at London at London and and you know the London crowd going absolutely fucked up that you're doing it. The only way that that dream might that reality might already never be able to exist, for example, because like I said, it's every decision. It's probably been every decision since you were 17 years of age and if you've already wasted time, that reality might now be 2.16.45 or 2.7.15. I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, and so that's what you have to... Normally, your dream and your heart, however good it tells you you can be, you can actually be that good. And then sometimes you get stuck in that dream knowing that that's your potential but forgetting that the only way to reach that potential is um, to, to actually do what it takes and sometimes some of us can't do that part, that part's really difficult The doing what it takes, learning what it takes, applying what it takes I knew I knew what would create a good result at the Olympics but but it was another thing applying that, that actually running at 216 to 217 pace and letting the elite group go, letting the front group go, sorry, letting, you know, Kevin and Paul go, being at the back of the field by maybe 40 metres after a mile and just sucking it up and being really boring. Gary Longwell, my psychologist, told me that, do you think, had you ran 217 or 216, would that have felt like a victory? And I said, absolutely. And he said, since when was a victory ever boring? That was fucking brilliant. He, like, it was fucking class. And he said that. I really appreciated that. Um, but look, that's, that's kind of where it's at. Um, I, I, I went home, back to the hotel, packed my bag, got on a flight to Sapporo. Team management was really worried about me. I told them I was fine. Like, everything was okay. But, you know, I... I had been telling them that I could run an Irish record. I had been telling them that, you know, I was super, super fit. And by all intensive purposes, my watch, my Garmin, my heart rate, everything that I'd been doing in that final few years of training was telling me that that was actually the case, that I, that I was perhaps that fit and that I, that I could, in fact, but only one athlete at the Olympic Games would have broke the Irish record and that's Kipchoge. So like, you know, where that confidence came from, um, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll never know. Um, I didn't earn it. Um, th this is what I mean about thinking you're already in the reality. Um, I'm thinking you're already there without actually, you know, putting in the hard yards to definitely be there. Um, but anyway, so... They all expected this big result. They told me I looked really good in training. I did a you know, 10 mile track session and I thought it went pretty well, but you know, it's only 10 mile and the marathon's 26 and my heart rate monitor worked that day and I took the first couple of miles a bit easier. So I tell them I'm fine. We get on a flight from Sapporo to Tokyo. Um, I go to the village for the first time, which I'm really lucky that I got to do that. Um, because that'll always live with me that I got to be in that Olympic village and, um, and experience it and really enjoy and soak it all up, I suppose you could say. Um, I just want to have a drink. So, yeah, so I, I'm back in the village. 
I go to the, the cafeteria, and the cafeteria in the Olympic Village is like world known that it's just amazing. Everything you could think of, um, all different food types, maybe like 40 different food stands, just everything you could possibly think of. And you just get to fill your boots. And so I was, there was, there was burgers, but there was no cheese. And so I was taking slices of pizza, taking the cheese and marinara off the top of it and putting it on the burger. So it was a big cheeseburger. And then I found onions from like a Japanese section and I had like, oh, it was, I was absolutely filling my boots and taking the complete piss. Like, um, and then I got really tired and I went for a bit of a walk with Theresa McDade. We took a few photos in, and I guess you're just, you're just acting like everything's okay. And I wasn't okay. So I get to my room and I, I unpack a little bit because I'm leaving the next morning at like, I don't know, I think nine o'clock and I plan to get up and do a run at six, which I did. Um, and that's, I'll get on to that, but that's, I don't know that many people bounce back as quickly as I do. And I'll, I really love that about myself now. I wrote a blog, fuck, it must be 12 years ago. And uh, it was called You Can't Lay Still. And whenever I used to have setbacks in the past, I used to really let it hurt me. And, and I'd be, become dormant almost for like a month, three weeks. And you're talking breakups with girlfriends, just real... I tweeted the other day, actually, as well, that it's mad that at university I thought I was normal. And I wish I understood that I'm not normal. And then I could I could work with myself to not set myself up for things that would potentially really hurt me. And I remember I could break up with a girl and, and I'd be really quite verbal about it, quite angry and, and probably really upset them. But then also it really upset me. And, like, you know, I... I Never, never, ever, 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 ever physical. Like, I, I had a girl punch me in the face and key the whole side of my car. Um, and I, you know, I, I would never, ever in a million years. But you can hurt people by just saying nasty things. And, and I used to basically get really upset. And, like, I mean really upset. Like, when I think there's, there's probably a high likelihood that I could be, like, on the spectrum a little bit. And so... Emotions hit me really aggressively, really fast and really strong. But then they also fuck off really aggressively, really fast and really strong, which is a really nice thing. It's kind of quite nice that it hits you like a fucking new bomb. And then like you like you can't cope and you can't feel. So you say things, hurtful things, angry things, blah, blah, blah. But then like a good hour later, you're like, fuck, I'm kind of over that. That's fantastic. But what I used to do was get angry with life and sit around for like a month and, like, not train and get all, like, fuck that, like, I'm not training, I'm not happy, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, when you finally decide to come to your senses, you'd be more annoyed about the fact that you did fuck off for a month than, like, the bad race. The bad race you can get over, but trying to get over the fact that you've now done fuck off for four weeks and you've lost even more fitness, oh, it's a disaster. So the, the, the idea was don't stand still. And I'll come back to that, because what I've done since the Olympics is incredible. But I go back to my room, I've walked with Teresa, and I'm sitting there, and I unpack, and I brush my teeth, and I put on my pajamas, and I go on my laptop a bit. I actually watch the race. I want to watch Kipchoge, because he's just, he's an absolute blessing to watch. And so I really fancy watching that. Um, and so I watch the wee race, and, you know, I, I enjoy that. And I, I, fuck, I don't even see myself. It's a nightmare. 
it all I worked as hard as I fucking could to be in that big group for a couple of miles and oh, you don't even see me. Um but I just cry. Like I, I'm not a I'm not a big crier if I'm honest. Like I don't cry that much. Um probably bloody more recently I've been crying. Um but yeah, I just kinda remember like just I just kinda like curled up in a ball and, and it all kinda just it just hurt me. Like it, it really hurt me because I I can say that I didn't run hundred and twenty mile a week. I can you know, I can say that I didn't do some specific sessions that maybe would have helped me sustain a higher heart rate when you compare it to twenty twenty and I was training with Mo and Bashir and but I really tried. And when you really try and you really apply yourself in terms of, you know, that 24 hours a day locked in, 365, 24-7, didn't drink alcohol for the eight months leading in except for that one blip, that one evening. And I, you know, let myself go a little bit. I really tried. And and so it it's quite upsetting then when it doesn't play out perhaps the way that you had envisioned that it might and and you you thoroughly well sorry you you believed you deserved more and so yeah I just cried and and you know it, it was it was quite hard for me I think Katie had woke up and I, I kind of took it out on her a little bit and I was like you know like can you show like some form of empathy and and, and compassion like I just I need to be told that everything's going to be all right and that I'm not shit and that it'll get better. And it's kind of quite mean of me to take it out on her because it's not her fault that I ran poorly. And, and she, above all people, really wanted it to go well for me. Um, and then I just lay and cried and probably for about a good 45 minutes to an hour. And then I decided that was enough of that and that I basically needed to... Oh my god, the smell of manure. Fuck me, guys. That's grossing up in this. Jesus, fuck. Oh, that's bogging. Oh my god. That's fucking wild. Uh, oh, I'll bring you back to life. <laughs> I'm gonna be sick. Oh. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was really quite emotional. Um, and so I, I need to wind my window down. It might be a bit noisy but I just need that smell out of the wee mini blesser. It's not it's not put out for this old bad smell business. Um and so yeah like a couple of tears um and then I obviously like pulled my shit together and got over the tears. Um like where the fuck are you going? Fucking morons. Where's my road bridge? Like, like where, where the fuck are they going? They, they burned up my outside to then sit in traffic, and that's dangerous. Um, but yeah, I, I had to get over the tears quickly. And the next part that I'm going to go on to say is just how, how probably proud I am of what I went on to do post-disappointment of an Olympics to now be in the position that I am now with Boston knocking out 100 mile weeks, knocking out that session in Victoria Park this morning, like a fucking boss. I think I ran a 66 or 60, I had probably like a 66 minute half marathon in the park there this morning with a 
with the six minute mile in the minute in the middle. So like, you know, take a minute off that time because I probably didn't need to, you know, do that and oh shit. That was bad driving. I shouldn't have driven like that. That's a naughty boy. Um, but okay. Sorry, I'm going to talk about that seriously because sorry, there was. I mean, I'm the the journey has taken me away. It's a shitty road because the motorway is closed, and every now and again it jumps to two lanes, and everyone's like. It's like the food cart coming in, and you've never people have never seen food before. It's like, Nyong! and I had a Subaru recently, and then I kind of raced it back and forgot that I'm not in the Mercedes, that I'm just in the wee Mini Cooper. And he's about to overtake me now. Like, am I actually not? I'm gonna hang back so he can't just overtake me. Um, I'm yeah, I'm not in the Mercedes, and the wee Mini just doesn't commit to commit to <laughs> driving as fast as it does. So I get a wee bit stressed, so I, I couldn't really concentrate. But actually, that was a very serious thing to talk about. Um. Bouncing back from defeat is not easy to do. You have to, you can sit and dwell and, and question your ability, but but actually, like, you just do an honest review of what went wrong, what, what you think went wrong, because ultimately you might be wrong about that too. Like, you, know, you can ask people to help. I asked a coach to come in and have a look at what I did, and and explained about it, you know, Antrim was like an eye-opener because at Antrim, we realized that, you know, based on a year ago, I couldn't, I couldn't sustain, I couldn't even get the heart rate that a year ago I could sustain for like, you know, 60 minutes of racing. I couldn't even get the fucking 180 heart rate. And, and a year ago, I could sustain that for a good hour. So like, I, I I needed to figure out what the gaps were. So you you have an idea of what went wrong, and then you you go about the only way to see if you're right about that, and to see if it will in fact fix it, is to fucking just get on with it. And there's no this is the part where I'm telling you there's no rules. There's no there's it doesn't matter if you if it's wrong you apply yourself for another 10 weeks and you go to boston and, and there's still something wrong who the fuck cares like you're you're human you're allowed to fucking fail you're allowed to fuck things up you're allowed to make a balls up of things but but just own it that's the part that i own i talk out loud on a podcast uh, don't take this as an offense but the fucking strangers and tell them all my problems and all the things that I do badly and all the things that I do wrong. But then every now and again, I get it right and it's fucking special and it's wonderful and it's like, holy shit. And then I, I hopefully learn something from those really good days too and take that forward. But the idea of owning it is just, if I ever if I ever did drugs, right? Performance dancing drugs, which I, I can tell you, I've never thought about it, never dreamt about it, will never, right? But see if it did. In fact, what could I have a better way of telling you? See in school, when I got pulled into the principal's office and he said, Stephen, um, this kid has said that, you know, you, you beat him up today, you were fighting and you beat him up. At least I just went, yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, I did that. Sorry about that. I, I shouldn't have done that. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry about that. Like, 
I like people who just, that's, that's the like, that's the own it part. Just own it. You fucked up, you underperformed, own it. Don't, don't like, oh, you know, people, a lot of people, a lot of people don't have the courage to own up to the fact that they made mistakes or that they didn't apply themselves the same. Now, this, there's a difference. Anybody can forgive me for not training as hard as I did when I spent five weeks with fucking Mo Farah. Like, I was talking to Lee, and, and Lee knows little bits about running, but he really doesn't know that much about running, but he knows little bits. And I was saying to Lee, it would be like you having the opportunity to work with somebody who is literally the top of your field, the top of your field, the best there possibly is. And and all of a sudden, for a month of your life, you work 20 hours a week more than you've ever worked. You're learning with every single session. Literally every day that you work with this person, you're learning. And, and it just, it's so organic and natural. It just happens. It's very difficult to recreate that by yourself. It's very difficult for me to go to the Mary Peters track perhaps by myself and fucking knock my pan in like the day I did with like Mo Farah. You know, and, and, and that's the part where I'm saying people, people would forgive you for not being able to do that. That's, that's okay. And that's the part where, but, but what I find unforgivable sometimes is people that just aren't, honest even to themselves i'm reading a book at the minute called everything is fucked and basically we lie to ourselves on a on a daily basis knows <coughs> <coughs> why my throat still gets bad when i talk so we basically lie to ourselves on a daily basis we if someone cuts us up when if someone cuts you up when you're driving right you get all pissy you kind of be like Oh, like, fuck's sake, like, you cut me up. And then, like, I'm only telling you this story because then Katie will be sitting next to me and she'll say, why are you angry about that? You just did it to somebody. And whether or not I say to her, you're right, or no, I didn't, is, is kind of irrelevant. What's relevant is that you only got angry about that person doing it because you kind of believe yourself to be a saint. Oh, I wouldn't possibly do that to someone, so I'm going to get angry at this person for doing it. And that's, I literally just did it to someone at a roundabout. That's disgraceful. I thought it was two lanes to two lanes, not two lanes to one, but there you are. Now I should probably say my wee sorries. Um, but that, that in a nutshell is the lies. We, we, we even lie to ourselves about us being like the perfect humans or we, we get angry with somebody or we, we, lecture somebody about maybe something that we do ourselves and that's lying to yourself you know that's you're doing that too somehow we we think we're all saints and we think we're all kind of not perfect by any means but the minute that you accept the fact that you fuck things up that you don't always get it right that sometimes you're lazy sometimes you hit splits that you weren't supposed to because you lack discipline the sooner that you just admit all that then you can just fucking crack on with it. And then the good results that come, 
you know, be, be really chuffed and be really happy that those good results came because you worked with you worked in this unperfect system and got a really good result versus I think sometimes we just, like I said, think we're maybe a little bit better than we are. And then when it becomes apparent, you know, you, you feel, you get all like shocked. Like, oh my God, how did I feel? I'm perfect. You're not. None of us are. Um, I'm not. Um, I'm definitely not used much listening to this podcast all the time to <laughs> my unperfectness. But what I what I did say to Katie today, um, you know, me, me and Katie do well, I think. I think we're very, very lucky because, you know, like I, I can, yeah, I, I love Katie to bits. Like I really do. And I, I have no issue saying that. Like that's, I have had an issue in life. I've, I've, Katie's actually the first person I've ever, except for like mom and, and things like that, like that I, you know, came out and told her like that I love her and stuff. And we have a real tough time at it. Um, Like we clash. Lee and his girlfriend said, we're like, I think they said we're like, is the phrase chalk and cheese. We couldn't be so different. And we come from, Katie went to watch Lee play football um, on Saturday, just gone there in Belfast. And she couldn't believe how, much, how like angry we are, like how much we shout, how much we swear. And I was like, Katie, nobody here is angry. <laughs> I was like, we just, we just shout and we just swear. And I mean, football, obviously a football match at the Billy Neal playing fields, like, is going to have and that's why I love it I love the camaraderie and the fans like slabbering at each other and, oh I love it it's I, that's me and my element right there like I have a great wee day um, but I think it was an eye opener to her to the way we are and the way we talk and the way we communicate with each other and F this and F that and blah 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 and we're very 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 different but ultimately there's a a very 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 deep level of care and that's that's all that matters, you know what I mean? We, we don't have it easy. We, we definitely don't have it easy. We, we, we clash and um, bless her. Like, uh, I'm getting on to what I was going to say, but we, we clash and I, I shout. And and I'm very, I, I try to push people away really quickly. So I'll just be like, oh, well, look, if we're going to argue, then that's it. You know, we shouldn't be together. It's that simple. And I'm just, little, that's just immature. Um, but we argued, I don't know, probably like two mornings ago. And then we went for a run, and um, we were running together, and it was I think it was the evening run, and we were running down the Ravenhill Road, and there's a couple of wee side streets there that I just, aren't, it's not safe, basically, you, you should stop at every side street to make sure there's no oncoming traffic or you'll get run over, but I told Katie to move and go on the outside, so basically I did it because then I would get hit by the car and she wouldn't get hit by the car. We got back to the elevator when we got back to Titanic or whatever, and the run was finished. And I, I said to her, um, you know, I'm sorry about this morning and a bit of arguing and a bit of stropping. And um, I just sort of said, like, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't mean to like, I don't mean to like upset you or make you like sad or whatever. And actually, how many people would even think to move the person they're running with to the they're outside so that if a car was going to hit somebody it would hit me and not her and and so under all my faults and you know sometimes me and katie joke that the bear the bear is going to come out and that's when i growl like a bear and get all moody um 
under the bear. There's there there's a uh, which I'm so so proud of. There's just a there's just a really lovely and genuine person that you know really enjoys. I I I'm I've probably just become pretty unique in this world. Maybe how much I share. Like I said, to most of the time, total strangers to just share the good things, the bad things, and I I just truly believe that we all we all experience much the same, and we all have the same doubts, and we all have the same. What I felt in that session today was a reminder that I don't know at what point I thought it was supposed to be easy, and I was supposed to jog around that Victoria Park this morning and that session go I, I don't know why I never it never dawned on me that at some point this morning this might get pretty fucking tough and and that was just a wee reminder but look I think there's a a really special kid inside me that you know has been able to already and will continue to and you know God knows at what level in the future I'll try to help others by sharing parts about myself and then maybe moving into a field of expertise helping, which could be like psychological support or, um, yeah, I, I feel like I've, I've been on the, the, the same would be like different sides of the fence. Um, and I've experienced quite a bit and I've, I've been through quite a bit and I fucked up a lot of things, but then equally I've, why I say both sides of the fence is I've, I've stood on podiums and been successful and stood in an Olympic game start line. And so I've, I've been around a wee bit and experienced a wee bit. And um, I, I think I'll do a really good job at some point in the future um, sharing that and, and, you know, helping others. But <clears throat> once you accept you're not perfect, it doesn't mean you can't think you're a fucking wonderful person and I think I'm a wonderful person with faults but if I was selling myself on eBay I'd say absolute okay I'd say fucking athletic specimen person top of most <laughs> athletic specimen two fucking legend legs two absolute trampolines when it comes to running I think my legs are just springs they're fucking two tanks and once I get into a nice little rhythm I fucking love how they feel um Really, really good heart, you know, really, really intelligent and um, very, very caring. Can get a little bit angry and um, can get a little bit frustrated. I get frustrated. I, I wish the world was a bit more fair. and I get frustrated when people I just don't think they're being fair. I also get really frustrated and angry when I choose to back down and apologize. And then someone takes advantage of that. I normally then flip and become the aggressor. And I just think, like, fuck me. Like, just, I did the right thing there. Like, just calm down and be fair. Like, there's a fairness in life that we should just be fair. So, I have a wee moral compass sometimes, which trips me up. Because I think everyone should share the same morals, and we don't. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I really am so, so proud of myself. I, I, that's fucking class. That's a really nice thing. And... And I realize that you earn that. You earn that by your actions. You, you you don't earn it by thinking you're a type of person. You earn it by physically being a type of person. And I want to finish on that. Don't don't think you're a certain type of person. Be a certain type of person. And and that's moving towards that person that you want to be. 
and further away from the person that you don't want to be. Thank you all, guys. Bye-bye.